Welcome to Gym Wag, a podcast series hosted by me, Lisa Eaton. Over at G&T, I'll be interviewing some of the region's most respected business leaders, CEOs and CMOs to hear all about their journey and their experiences. So take a seat, pour a drink and join us for an inspiring half hour of like-minded chat. Welcome back to Ginwag. Today, my guest on this episode is Sophie Milliken. As a former graduate recruiter at John Lewis, and now working with a variety of employers and universities as managing director at SRS, Sophie is a recruitment and employability expert. She's worked with employers such as MS, JP Morgan, Expedia, and AXA to design and deliver their graduate recruitment campaigns. SRS is also the leading provider of assessment centre simulations for universities and has trained over 30,000 students at these events. A merger in 2019 saw Sophie take on the additional role in the newly formed Career Pass Network as Chief Strategy Officer. Sophie has been a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Personal Development since 2013 and was awarded a fellowship of the Royal Society of Arts in 2019. Her first book, From Learner to Earner, was published in August 2019 and became a bestseller in the October. Sophie's second book, The Ambition Accelerator, will be published any day now and includes advice from Dragon's Den star Sarah Davies and The Apprentice's Linda Plant. A multi-award winning businesswoman and a proud mum, Sophie also enjoys supporting the North East region and sits on the board of Age UK Northumberland. I'm certain you're going to love listening to this episode as much as I loved recording it. Sit back, enjoy and let us know what you think. So Sophie, a massive welcome to the Ginwag this morning. Thank you for joining me. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Anytime. Well, we're right at the start of a new year. And like me, you're juggling running a business, um, homeschooling your daughter and generally just trying to keep it all together, no doubt. (laughs) So how have you coped with adjusting to these circumstances over the past year? Oh, well, let's be honest, it is rubbish, isn't it? (laughs) It's hard work. And, um, you know, I think um, we've all been through phases where it's all been a bit much and there's some days that are easier than others and there's some days that are almost pleasant but overall it's tough it's hard I think some people think that it's easier in that you can work at home therefore that makes it easier to sort of balance homeschool um well it doesn't it doesn't I think what I've learned from this last year is well a number of things but the the main thing in relation to this is that you just you're not we're not teachers and we're you know we're trying to hold things together and actually good enough it is good enough and it's sort of taken that pressure off ourselves to be brilliant at everything because it's just not realistic so I think if you know you get to the end of the week and there haven't been 50 arguments over maths and topic and this that and the other and you've managed to to get outside each day and you've managed to to do your work as well then you know that's a win and that wouldn't have been a win a year ago or a year and a bit ago or whatever um but you've just got to kind of look at small things and you've got to be grateful for for what you have got and actually you know 
I've st still running a business that's doing really well in spite of the pandemic. I've got a daughter that's healthy, who is getting her schoolwork done. And that that's that's enough for now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're completely right. You know, it is it's taking those small wins and and remembering how good you're doing at the small things rather than the big goals that we might have been setting ourselves a year or two ago that you know now just seems impossible tasks almost well it is like i have um i had a load of fitness goals last week and uh, last week last year that kind of just went out of the window and it's funny because i was i was talking to one of my friends about this the other week and you know i was e easily doing sort of twenty thousand steps a day just just walking to work and back uh, before the pandemic and now it's a real struggle to even hit ten thousand steps and i've got this little chart with all my little fitness and diet goals and stuff and i was ticking things off and the one that was staying unticked was ten thousand steps a day which i would have done no problem every single day before this and it was really winding me up that i could see this thing that was unticked every day on my chart so about a week ago, I just crossed through it and just changed it to go for a walk because I can do that every day. That's allowed and it's doable. Even with a whiny nine-year-old, it's doable. And I was just putting too much pressure on myself to, to get that. So so that took the pressure off and just felt a lot more realistic. And it's, it's coming up with little hacks that make things a bit easier, you know. Um, I've never cooked so much in my life. I've never spent so much time in my house ever. Um, so it's thinking about, right, well, we need to eat three meals a day in the house and we don't want to eat a load of rubbish. So I now plan everything out. It helps reduce food waste, which is something that, that I think is important. And it helps just sort of plan healthy things and reduces the time of thinking about this, particularly during the week when it's busy. So I tend to do a load of batch cooking at the weekend and freeze everything and then do a meal planner for the week. So I don't have to think about it. And it takes takes that away. So there's little things that you can do to adapt and make things a little bit easier yeah that's a great tip actually so you've achieved a huge amount of success and especially over the last four or five years are you one for setting new year's resolutions and goals either personally or professionally at the start of the year and other than the ones that you've just given us there any tips or techniques for our listeners that you've used in not just i guess setting the goals but also remain in focus particularly in these tricky times of, of you know how to hit them still mm -hmm. Lisa, I love goals. I'm such a goal geek. I, I, I just, I love setting goals because I feel like if you don't set goals, then you, how do you measure success effectively? And how do you keep pushing yourself to do things? So I set goals for, for everything. And I got into goal setting. Well, to be honest, I've always been into it to an extent because before I set the business up, I had um, quite a long corporate career with John Lewis. I was with John Lewis for 12, 13 years. And John Lewis at that point in time was all about development, development plans, goal setting, objective setting. So it's kind of drilled into me, uh, you know, at quite a young age, really, straight from uni going into those roles. So I've always kind of had to do it in that environment. And then um, with the business, you kind of have to set goals to make progress and to, to get things done. And when I've been highly focused on goals, that's been when I've definitely had had sort of my biggest success so if you were to see I'm in my home office it's a right mess but if you were to be able to see this now you'd see that I've got a vision board in the corner which has got some very high level um possibly fluffy goals around kind of what I want my life to include and, and stuff like that although interesting it needs updating because I've actually other than one thing on there I've done everything on there now so it, so that's kind of a high level visual thing what I like to do is each year I set goals for the year 
and then I break them down into months and, and I used to break them down into weeks and, and days I don't really do that in the same way anymore but I've always got a to-do list on the go and, and those high level goals um, I got into bullet journaling about a year ago I don't know if you've come across that um, that's it's yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. It's a way of kind of organizing your goals and, and breaking things down to, to a daily level to have things on the go. It's kind of a way of emptying your head. So my brain is always going like 100 miles an hour all the time. And um, I find it really hard to switch off because I'm always thinking about things. You know, I've got lots of things going on in life. I've got, you know, got, um, lots of things with biz with the business. I've got uh, my, my charity commitments. I've got, you know, I've always got other things on the go. I've always got loads of projects on the go. And I find it hard to switch off. So by getting it all written down in some format and in some kind of organized way, it, it helps me kind of relax a bit in, in, in the evenings or try and switch off. So bullet journaling, journaling is cool because you, it's, it's, a, it's hard to go into the, sort of the detail of it. And if anyone's interested in getting organized, I definitely recommend looking into it. There's a book about it. It's a way of using sort of things like bullet points and turning them into arrows and things to move things along. And, you know, even just things like, you know, if I'm reading the magazine and there's book recommendations, there's always books that I fancy reading. So I'll take pictures of, of them on my phone and then kind of forget about them. And I might find them months later and go, oh, yes, I meant to buy that book. You know, with using a bullet journal, you would have a page about books I want to read and you would just put it in there and then you know where to find it. And it's easier and it's more organized. So, yeah. But I, I am a big fan of, of, of goal setting. And um, most of the women that I know that have done well are also fans of goal setting. So I've seen it work for other people. And I think one of the key things with goal setting is once you've achieved the goals is you need to celebrate the success there. You need to take a bit of time to go, oh, my God, I did that. That's amazing. And this is how I'm going to reward myself. or This is how I'm going to you know, celebrate things. And then also crack on with setting some more so that you you're always you know you're always on to the next thing and I think another thing that's been helpful for me in terms of achieving goals has been to have an accountability group of some kind and I've been involved in lots of different accountability groups and I think by doing that you, you it keeps you on track because if if you're only accountable to yourself it's probably a bit harder to stay on track and easier to make excuses so during the pandemic I've been in an accountability group that I was in um, a couple of years ago we've kind of got back things back on track and every Friday morning at eight o'clock we grab our coffees and we have a zoom together at eight and we set challenges for the week ahead we've got a whatsapp group as well and we just check in with each other about how we're getting on with things we might commit to putting something into the whatsapp group over the weekend or whatever and that has been so good because no one wants to be the person on the call the next week going oh yeah you know those girls I set last week I haven't done them because it's embarrassing it, it, it pushes you and I think by hanging out with people that are operating at the same pace and at the same level as you that also encourages you to get things done yeah some some amazing tips there I think um and bullet journaling is something that I've not come across so I'll definitely have a good look into that but I think you know you're right setting those goals you know it, it gives you focus it gives you something to work towards and you know we often forget to celebrate them you know I don't know if you're like me but you know you're running 100 miles an hour and as soon as one's achieved you're on to the next and you're on to the next and you know it is so important to be celebrating those little steps along the way to feel that accomplishment you know and to keep that energy going and um yeah some great advice there excellent 
So you're currently MD of Graduate Recruitment and Employability Consultancy Smart Resourcing Solutions, where you work with universities to assess their students and with employers to screen and help match their candidates for graduate and apprenticeship roles. So you are definitely somewhat of an employability expert, that's for sure. What essential special qualities do you look for when you're, um, when you're kind of screening graduates or whether you're looking to match graduates to roles? So um, at SRS, we're not a graduate recruitment agency, so we don't place people in roles, but we do take on outsourcing contracts for, for big employers where we would do their screening or run their assessment centers and things. And one of the things that I often say about graduate recruitment is not to go too much on experience because usually graduates are, are young-ish, um, not all. And, you know, with a, a, the Age Discrimination Act, then, you know, all, older, more mature students and graduates are very much um, encouraged to apply for graduate roles. Um, so I always say to employers who, who are looking at identifying what a great graduate is, to go on personality and behaviours and um, enthusiasm. So you can't teach those things. You know, with, with graduate roles, you've got to have a, a benchmark as to, you know, to even apply. So if it's a graduate scheme, a major graduate scheme, you have to have a degree or, or be studying for a degree to even apply. But actually, the other bits of the academics are kind of that you just need them to apply. They don't really mean anything. I should, shouldn't say that of course they mean something but they don't it, it's not relevant always even which subjects they've studied etc uh, unless it's for something that's very specialized like you know law medicine certain finance roles things like that so um you know once they've got the, that standard hit that standard for me it is all about the the behavioral stuff so i think that you know an, an organization needs to identify what their values are and, and what's important and then recruit for those uh, for a graduate, they need to be blooming clear about why they've applied for a role and a company. And it's really important that they know both of those bits. So often we'll meet graduates who are excited about a particular job, but they don't really care who they work for. So therefore, if you're that organisation that's recruiting them and they're just only bothered about the job, that there's something a bit missing there. Uh, sometimes you get it the other way around where they're just interested in the company. It might be a, a big, sexy brand that they're interested in. They're not really bothered what they do. And again, there's a bit of a mismatch there. So I think that the, the best thing that graduates can do is just be super clear about what about the job and about the role and about what they what they bring to it. And I think it's very hard to fake enthusiasm and passion. And if you're interviewing someone and they can demonstrate that and it feels genuine it's kind of like a real energy about it and you know I've, I feel the same when I when I've been for for roles uh which is quite a long time ago now other than voluntary roles you know I only apply for stuff that I'm genuinely excited about and it, and it comes across it's infectious you can hear it in your voice you can see it in people's body language and in, the, in their facial expressions and it's really easy to build rapport with someone that's genuine in that way so, you know, that's what I always encourage graduates to do is to spend the time working out why they want to do something and, and, and what they want to do and being able to get that across because everything else at graduate level, pretty much you can teach them.
Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, you know, I think we found very similar patterns when recruiting for my own businesses. You know, um, we've made mistakes in the past where we've hired on skill over personality or behavioral or values. Um, and, you know, it's it's it never works out. Um, and for me, the the people that have been exceptional in terms of the team that I have now and, and have had have been those who have genuinely shared the same values, the same purpose, been excited about the journey of the business um, and everything else. You you can teach you're absolutely right you know you can learn the skills along the way so 100 our, our um most recent recruit um has been with us for about nine months ten months now and um i didn't get involved in interviewing and the team were like stay out of it we, we we're doing this and we'll just and i actually came across my notes in in my notebook um a few days ago of all the candidates that had applied a note that I'd written next to them and the person that we recruited I've, I've got a note saying hasn't got any relevant experience um, and I remember the team saying to me oh this this person you know she hasn't got any any relevant experience but she's got an enthusiasm for the job and there's something about her and we'd like to interview it and I was like yeah fine and then when they did the interviews we set her a task so actually she did do well with that and yes there were some things missing but they just loved her enthusiasm. She'd done loads of research into us as a brand. She knew loads of stuff. She knew what she needed to do to be good at the job. And it was an entry-level job. So they they were like, right, we, we really want to offer her the job. And we did offer her the job. And, oh, my God, she's been amazing. She's so, she's fitted in. So, you know, the whole thing about value, she's fitted in so well. I didn't even get to meet her until, like, five or six months after she started because she started the week of the first lockdown. And I had involved in the recruiting process. So it was really surreal. We were like co-hosting events on zoom and stuff and i was like this is so weird like we haven't even met but we you know we, we got on really well so i've only ever met her twice i think um when we had that brief period where you could see people and all that sort of stuff so yeah she's she's brilliant and it, and it was all about her attitude and her enthusiasm and you know we, we're, we're training her up to do the things where she had the knowledge gap and we're looking at some qualifications that she can do but she's just awesome so every every time go for enthusiasm and commitment and behavior stuff yeah couldn't agree more do, do you value a strong record of continuous professional development in candidates and and what do you think are the benefits of cpd for those particularly starting out early in their career well i think if you're starting out early in your career you're probably in that mindset of always learning anyway so it's probably easier in some ways although arguably after you've come out of uni and you've been studying for years and years and years by that point or all in you might want a bit of a break um again going back to my john lewis time it was always encouraged that we did do um development stuff we always had development objectives um when i was there i, I, I did um they sponsored me to do my masters i did a load of other qualifications while i was there and and i really appreciated and, and valued that um, and also related to, to goal setting uh, that we were just talking about earlier, I always have some kind of course or something that I, I want to put myself through each year because what, what I've learned is every time I do something, I go, oh, my God, that was really demanding and I need a, I need a break. And then I have a break for like a few weeks and I go, right, what, what can I do next? And I think that by always doing sort of CPD activities, you um, you benefit in so many ways. So you want to keep your knowledge fresh because actually as you get older, you kind of become a bit sort of um, almost withdrawn from certain certain things. So by, by doing those kind of activities, you're keeping your knowledge fresh, you, 
you you mix them with people usually that uh, are relevant that have got interesting ideas that might give you some sort of diversity of thought that create opportunities that that um, you know you can take up. So I, I just I think I'm at the point now where I think why would you not do it? And even if you're at the top of your game, there's always benefits to to doing it. It always leads to something else. And if you stop doing those kind of activities, you kind of stand still and maybe go backwards a bit because you you become out of touch. So I would say to, to anyone sort of starting out on their career or at any point in their career, that they should always have something on the go that stretches them. And it might be, you know, that they've got loads of other commitments, they don't feel they can commit the time to it. So, you know, choose something that's interesting, that's going to hold your attention. We've all got the same 24 hours in a day. It's how you choose to use things. And people often say to me, you're always on the go, you never stop, you do so much. I'm like, well, yeah, because I enjoy it. Um, You know, rather than sit around watching Netflix all the time, I quite often will be doing something that, benefits my development in, in another way and that's how I choose to spend my time so if you find something that you enjoy doing it's not a chore and and when you're learning I, I think you it, it just gets your brain going in in really great ways yeah completely agree and I mean I think for me CPD has always been a huge part of my journey um and and more so than the, the continuous learning which is hugely valuable but it always brings a new opportunity. You know, as you mentioned before, there's always something that it leads to a relationship, a new connection, an opportunity that you didn't know existed. And, um, you know, it's, it's great for just broadening horizons there. This podcast is brought to you by Fabric, a training academy that empowers the most ambitious marketers to thrive. You're already a marketer or you want to get into marketing. You have ambition like no other and are driven to be the best at what you do. So how can you make sure you make a big impact wherever you go? Well, we're here to share over 20 years of experience and industry insights in just 12 weeks. By the end of our programme, you'll know how to build a marketing strategy that delivers big-time business impact, show how valuable you are through effective reporting, and help your organisation smash targets and reach its goals. Get ready to be the change that propels organisations forward. Nail your next interview, review or board meeting and make yourself the marketer that every business wants. To find out more, visit fabric-academy.com. The employment market is really tough at the moment, given the current circumstances. So it's likely to be harder than ever for those looking to move into their first roles. Um, some brilliant tips there in terms of, I guess, passion and enthusiasm. Um, but anything that we can give to anybody who's listening, who's a, currently a graduate job seeker to try and maximise their chances for some sort of success in a first role during this time? Yeah, um, I think there's a lot to be said for mindset at the moment. So, you know, there's a lot of students and graduates who probably think, what's the point of even applying at the moment? Um, they're kind of almost not even putting their hat in the ring because they think that there aren't any jobs. Uh, that's definitely not the case. We're, we're aware of a lot of employers who are still recruiting. Um, you know, there are some industries that have done well in, in, in the pandemic. Uh, even the ones that haven't done so well, they're still recruiting because, you know, when we've had recessions in the past and graduate recruiters have stopped recruiting for a year or two or whatever, they've then felt the pain of that in years to come, where, particularly with large employers where they've then had massive talent gaps. So I'm not, I can't even actually think of any major employers at the moment that I that aren't 
recruiting in, in the norm in some capacity other than probably the airlines uh, you know and, and places like that and retail's been hit um so that but you know retail's been hit but we're, we're doing a, a big job at the moment for mns and they're still recruiting on all of their schemes so you know there's you've got to go out and have a look and not assume that there aren't any opportunities so that would be one thing i think the other thing is around linked to mindset around resilience so it is hard when you perceive that there are less opportunities uh, and, and that it's a harder market so you've got to kind of look at ways to to stay resilient stay positive and and you know that can be easier some days than others so you've got to think about what your sort of coping strategy is for that um again it is going back to that being able to show the passion so it's only applying for jobs that you're genuinely interested in not going for the scattergun approach where you just apply for everything that you see being quite focused and and, and going for fewer but high, higher quality um applications because the graduate recruitment process is a lot more detailed and longer than most other recruitment processes because the the employers need a way of um reducing the volume because they do get lots of applications so it, it is a long process so don't invest loads of time and energy going for jobs that you don't want because you're not going to get you're not going to get them you'll fall out of the process at some point so um so all of those things and i think it's it's making use of tools that are available so I wrote a book uh, from learner to earner in 2019, which helps students and graduates secure their first graduate job. That comes with all sorts of resources that would help them. So it comes with downloads around getting their CV right, LinkedIn guide and the benefits of that, uh, cover letter templates, all sorts of things like that, which are super useful. And on our YouTube channel, we did a load of free webinars last year that are linked to the content of the book. So you can go and have a look at that on the um, on the YouTube channel for help with various stages of the recruitment process. If you're a bit nervous about online tests, for example, or video interviews, then there's something that you can go and have a look there. So, you know, there's tons of free resources or low cost resources out there that will help your knowledge and confidence of the process. So. You know, go and use all of those and, you know, find, take sort of finding a, a graduate job as a as a job almost and commit the time to it, to making yourself the best applicant. Yeah, some amazing advice there. Really, really useful, not just for graduates, for anybody who's currently looking for a role at the moment. So really, really great tips there. Um, and you just very casually slipped in there that you wrote a book, but you wrote a book. <laughs> Um, so you you had your first book published um, from Learner to Earner, as you've just uh, mentioned there. I mean, how did that come about? What was the experience like? Do you know what? It, when I look back, it was so crazy. So I mentioned I've mentioned a few times now that I've always got some kind of development goals or courses that I'm doing on the go. And I did um, a business accelerator course in 2019. And one of the tasks was to write a book. <laughs> and... Um, I was talking to to the lady that was that was running that part of the course and I was saying right okay well ideally I want to write a book that is pitched to academics around the importance of employability and then I started thinking about it and I, um, I had a chat with Joanna Berry actually about it to say what would the perception be of me writing a book that, uh, and I'm not an academic and appealing to academics and we had a good chat about it and then I came to the conclusion that actually my writing style will never be academic but actually, if I wrote a book for students, there would be a benefit to students for writing the book. So that would be great. But actually, the academics would know that I'd written the book. Therefore, I would get the benefit of being an author, but without 
them having to actually probably read it or um, you know judge it in any way because I'd be writing from from a place where I am the expert rather than them. So that kind of made me decide. And then when I was talking to the to the publisher, I was saying, well, really, I need this book to come out in September because that's the window for graduates and students applying for, for graduate jobs. So it needs to be ready for then. So then we worked backwards and she said to me, right, you basically got, I think it was about three and a half weeks to write this, the, the first, um, the, the manuscript. And I was like, oh my God, that's insane. But then I was like, right, well, if I don't do this, I've got to wait a whole year really to, to, to time the, the sort of the publication of it. So uh, at that point in time, I was lucky that I could clear my diary pretty much to create the time to do it. So um, I can't remember how long they say it takes to write a book. I think once you've sketched it out, and that is a huge part of it, if you sketch it out, then it makes it a lot easier. Once you've done that, I think you're meant to be able to write a thousand words per hour. I think that's like the guide. And for this type of book, you need it to be between 30 and 40,000 words. That's the guide as to how long it needs to be. So if you think about it like that, 30 to 40 hours, that is not, a, I don't think that's a huge amount of time. It's the editing that takes the time and refining it and, and you know, doing the research. So I just sort of tackled it in, in a proper planned out way. So I knew the research that needed to be done. So I wrote out what needed to be done and I gave one of my team this as a task and said, can you go and find out all these things for me and get all the all the references and do that? So she went and did that. And another member of the team that did all the formatting and made it look good and she did all the graphs and charts that I wanted to put in it and all the resources because it comes with 18 down, downloads. So she set that up on this website and made them all look pretty. So she went and did that. And then I interviewed a load of um, employers to get their perspective and put those in as little case studies and bits of advice. So I set that up through uh, SurveyMonkey, which meant that I could then pretty much sort of copy and paste their little bits in and just tweak them a bit. So that helped with a few thousand words. Um, and then, you know, I literally just wrote and wrote and wrote. So you know, I spent days at a time just sort of blasting through it and um, met the deadline. And got it out it came out at the end of the of august so i was slightly ahead of the deadline on that and you know it was it was brilliant it it, it hit uh, the bestseller charts on amazon in in the october i think in like two or three categories which was really good fun um and, and every week i get emails or messages on linkedin from students that have read it who say how helpful it's been and that's great you know what doing and you know because this was pre-covid times we did some cool book launches i did one in one in newcastle one in london had amazing speakers at each of those had um lucy winskill um kindly let me have it in the great hall at northumbria uni and she she spoke and opened opened up that event um they were brilliant events you know great networking which led to uh, us being able to to talk to potential clients and prospects and things um, and then off the back of that, I got two invitations to do TEDx talks. So, you know, it all leads on to, to other things. But, um, yeah, it was hugely satisfying doing, doing that book. Amazing. An, an unbelievable accomplishment and a, a huge sense of achievement, especially still getting those LinkedIn messages of, you know, really how it's helping people, which I guess was the purpose behind it. And and you've got another book coming out? I have. So that was my uh, first lockdown project. So, you know, I've said to you before about how my mind never really uh, stops. And in the first lockdown, particularly at the beginning where I was like, oh, my God, how is 
like what is happening and how how is the business going to survive and all those sort of worrying thoughts and I kept waking up at like four or five a.m. in the morning and you know even even now you know I'm always been an early bird and I always will be and I love the mornings but even that was like a bit early for me so I decided to write originally it was going to be the the backstory to my TEDx which was around sort of my business journey and it was just a bit of a I quite fancy getting this down and I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it but this is just kind of what I'm thinking and then it kind of evolved to a point where I thought oh it would be good to have like something that's more of a guide that people can pick up and go right this is really relevant to me and I can take this advice and then I thought oh wouldn't it then also be good to include stories of really inspirational women and include their advice so it kind of evolved massively from that first idea and uh, to where it is now and it's it's literally coming out might even come out this week maybe next week so it's imminent it's called the ambition accelerator so yes it's got a bit of my backstory in there and then it's got themes so themes around things that women in particular are likely to encounter and it is women really that the book's aimed at so you know, when, when I was looking at books, when I was setting the business up, I was really inspired by backstories of obviously successful women, the likes of Karen Brady, Michelle Moe, and those talk, types of women. And I found, found their stories really inspirational, but not hugely practical. And then guides that were practical didn't always have the substance of, of the author where they hadn't really been there and done that. So I thought that, you know, there was a gap for something that was a bit of both. So yeah, a bit of backstory, themes, things like work-life balance, um, looking after yourself, planning, a whole section about planning, stuff about self-care, uh, goal setting, personal development, all those sorts of things. And then I interviewed, I think it was about 10 women in the end, 10 women from different industries. Some of them are entrepreneurs, some of them are just hugely successful in, in the corporate world, but from different industries, different backgrounds. I interviewed them. That's going to come out as a podcast with the interviews, and uh, and then there's little sort of power up stories for, from from each of these women in, in within the uh, the book, um, and that was so much fun because these women were so inspiring, and you know some of them I knew quite well. Um, so we've got if we think locally, we've got Alice Hall um in there she was great we were talking for hours we have to really cut down her episode because we were just chatting for like literally like two hours or something um, and then I've got um uh, women women that will be well known nationally so I've got Sarah Davies from Dragon's Den she was fab Linda Plant the scary interviewer from The Apprentice who's so not scary at all she's in there I've got Jacqueline DeRocas who is a, an IT tech well not IT more tech guru uh, who'd just been interviewing Tony Blair before I spoke to her and like just amazing women with amazing stories from such diverse backgrounds as well so um yeah I'm really excited for that coming out I'm hopeful that it will encourage and inspire and motivate young women whichever career path they are they are starting out on and um, the podcast should support that as well Sounds amazing. I can't wait to read it. And we've actually got Alice Hall as one of our next guests on Ginwag as well. So yeah, <laughs> we haven't done the interview just yet. We'll try and keep it very focused from that advice, I think. <laughs> and you mentioned there um, TEDx. Obviously, you were invited to do a TEDx talk in Birmingham, um, and which you looked absolutely gorgeous in, by the way. I, I watched that. And I know you had your daughter there with you, which was a very special uh, moment for you. So you talked about sharing successes and highlights over the downs of life on social media. 
Do you think we should share a more balanced view of our highs and lows on socials? And how, how is your approach to that? Has it changed at all? What's your view on it? Well, it's, you know, it's a tough one because if, if you focus too much on the lows, you, you can't, yeah, you need a bit of a balance. But if, if, you, if you're too low on the low side, then that's not hugely motivating for other people. I guess it depends what your purpose and your point of sharing stuff is. Um, you know, I spoke about how most people just share the positive stuff. And I think if you're a, if, particularly if you're a business owner, you do need to share a lot of positive stuff because you're your own PR machine to, to a certain extent. So you want that to be to be good news and to be positive and to attract clients. So you do need to do all of that. Um, and, and I suppose when you're doing the, the, the lows, it's doing it in a constructive way rather than just a, a sort of moany way. I mean, we've all got, you know, mates from school on Facebook that moan about every aspect of their life. And you think, oh, my God, you're like really depressing. And um, that, that's that's fine to do that a bit and to do that in an environment where you feel safe to do that. But if you just do that all the time. You know, you, you, um, in fact, I was having a chat with Alice about this when, when I interviewed her. We were talking about people being radiators and drains. Uh, and, you know, I certainly get my energy from other people. So I want that, I like that positivity. But I do also like to be able to choose sort of who I confide in and, and share those lows with as well. Um, I think there is a trend on social media to, to be a bit more honest about, you know, both things. Um, you know, I've certainly been honest in that TEDx talk, which is why I was so nervous doing it, because a lot of it was quite personal and it was stuff that I wouldn't normally have shared. Um, there's, there's quite a bit of that in, in the new book as well. You know, going through the divorce and being a single parent is is hard. Like it's, it's really hard. And, you know, everyone that set up a business will have had some sort of financial challenges at the start. So that's, you know, that's tough. You've got to be very resilient when you set up a business. But, you know, most businesses fail within within the first couple of years to, to reach a, your fifth year in business is a huge milestone. So uh, which you need to, you know, you need to celebrate those things. But actually to get to that point, there's been a lot of downs. So it is it is sharing those. So I'd like to think that I do that in a in a balanced way. But, I, you know, it is skewed more to the to the upbeat stuff. But then to be fair, you know, we've had a, a couple of good years. So that that's been that's that's been true um, but you know if I was to look at last year you know 2020 with the pandemic and stuff my god there were some sleepless nights there thinking how the heck are we, are we going to generate enough business to be able to pay all these people and you know what what are we going to have to make redundancies how's that you know how's that going to work out luckily we didn't and it was a really successful I mean we did we had a record year last year but that took a lot of time and energy and thought into coming up with new ideas and, and solutions so there is a downside that gets you to that point yeah and I guess it's the balance as you say isn't it it's it's you know I, I think there's something hugely aspirational and inspiring to talk about the lows but how you've turned them into highs so you know the worry and the sleepless nights over finances I'm pretty sure every business owner out there has them and if we were all just tweeting about that constantly it would feel pretty dire but to talk about how you know we've we had this worry and this is what we've done about it and actually you've managed to turn that into your most successful year in business yet is a is a you know it, it's very honest it's very truthful but it's also really inspiring that 
you know, will give people the confidence just to go, you know, it is tough, but keep going, start planning, start setting these goals and you'll get through it. So I love that approach. Really, really great. I think it's almost like sharing that bit when you've come out of it a little and, and you can see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel or you've done it and you can reflect on what you did to come out of it rather than in the thick of it a bit of a, a moan and being depressed about things because you know we do all feel low at, at various points but you know you do see the odd thing on LinkedIn where someone is just so low and I and I just kind of think oh you might regret being that open at that point in time in a month's time or whatever so I don't know maybe people might disagree with that people might think you should be able to do that and I, and I don't think you shouldn't do that that's right for you but that I wouldn't take that approach. I'd rather spend my energy and time getting on with it. And actually, if I go quiet on social media, that's usually when I'm having a bit of a rough time because I need my energy to to get other stuff done and to make progress. And then when I'm back, I can then maybe reflect on it. Yeah, no, I think that I think that that's we're guilty all of doing that. I think retreating a little bit just to get a bit of headspace and returning when when things feel a bit more sane. Um, so as an entrepreneur, Sophie, you've got an outstanding record for entrepreneurial success and lots of award wins. And you're a fantastic role model for young women in particular. You talked a little bit about a couple of um, role models that you've had yourself, those women that you look up to. Who, who is, you know, who is your current role model or has been for some time? And who do you look up to and admire? Do you know, I've got a section about role models in, in my new book. And I think I think everyone has has or should have role models. And, you know, I've been inspired by some some of the high profile women I mentioned, the likes of Michelle Moe and Karen Brady. They kind of, yeah, they're up there in terms of, of business woman success and, and things. But I think um, you can be inspired by people around you you know when I interviewed those women a lot of them were saying that their mum was their role model or you know parents and things um I think I've gained a lot from approaching women in our region that I see as as being um inspirational in different ways and I've you know I get a lot of energy from spending time with them so um I love Joanna Berry she's amazing I've had a lot of time with her she gets a shout out in my new book uh, she She's very straight talking, uh, great breadth of experience and knowledge and, and great advice. So, you know, she, she would be someone. Uh, I love Simone Roche, who is the founder of Northern Power Women. Just the energy and the enthusiasm that she's got for all things sort of diversity based, in particular the focus around women, is just incredible. And she's such a brilliant connector as well. You know, she knows everyone and um really really inspirational um so I think yeah women like that I mean there's loads I mean I could reel off like 10 20 women in the region that are just incredible but I think um yeah there's always someone and if I spot someone doing something on social that I think is is really impressive then I'll um I'll get in touch with them and ask you know can we have a coffee or at the moment a zoom or whatever and you know most women will will say yes uh most people you know they want to help other women and they want to um have have those conversations and I think when you become quite well networked there's definitely something in it for, for both sides that you can do do something with that so yeah it's it's so important it's funny because I, I wrote an article on this a little little um 
bit ago just before Christmas actually about my kind of early years in career and I never ever had a had a female boss in the in the 20 years of work in industry I never had a female boss and and that role model for me had to come from you know my mom and um and and those more aspirational well-known businesswomen as opposed to anybody that I was working with directly and you know there's a big there's a big piece to change there I think in terms of young females looking up to women who are in their professional industry managing children at home running a household but just doing unbelievable and amazing things in their career as well so um so you're, you're definitely up there Sophie for sure okay so we're just about there now we're just going to finish on goals taking us right back to where we started and what are yours for the year ahead what can we expect to see from SRS any big goals for you personally outside of the business this year what you got up on that wall yeah I'm just looking at it now it does need updating um so yeah some some massive stuff I mean I um sold SRS about 18 months ago and still run it but it now sits within the career pass network group so I've got a dual role so I still run SRS still MD at SRS but I'm, I've also got this chief strategy officer group role across across the group of brands we are in a uh, hopefully high growth phase of the business where we're looking to to grow um, the business like ridiculously over the next three years in, in particular so we've got a couple of acquisitions hopefully that that are, are going through at the moment that will come online um probably april time we've got a couple of others in sight as well and these are just going to really establish career pass network as being a massive player in in the early careers market so um i'm massively committed to uh my part within that so it, it is that dual role which is pretty full-on if i'm honest and, and we've got some massive goals sales wise um you know i said srs had a record year last year it did um massively you know uh, we've just got the final account of the day I haven't worked out the percentage but we we did oh god it's well over 100 percent more than the previous year so it's a phenomenal year especially in a pandemic this year we could do the same same again i think we're looking to try and double it again almost double it again which is a huge jump i think that is a huge jump so i need to work out how we're going to do that i've got i've got a few ideas there's a lot around technology so we one of the solutions that we created last year was to create our own digital assessment software platform which we need to run our university events but actually we've also realized that it's such a great platform because we've designed it exactly how we need it and we're lucky we've got software developers within the team that will just sort of uh you know rise to every little change that we want to make but we've now been able to sell that software to major employers as well so that's a a huge growth area for us this year so I think there's tons to focus on with that I want to get involved with onboarding the new brands and have have a big role to play with that so so that's all happening um, alongside that I've got um, some you know some personal goals that are still linked to, to business I guess in the um, you know I've got this new book coming out so I want to do lots of publicity for that I want to link the the podcast to that as well so a, a real opportunity to to get some positive stuff out there for young women i've got my charity roles so i've been on the board at age uk northumberland since 2016 so um coming up to five five years blimey that's gone really fast. so you know that's that is quite a full-on role so we're quite a big board because it's a big charity 
Um, but I'm the HR focus uh, person in terms of the trustees. So I'm in the process of setting up a people, culture and remuneration committee, um, which I'm going to chair, which is going to be really interesting. And I've got some advisors who are amazing from HR within the region who are going to join me on, on that committee. So lots going on with that, which is exciting. And then I can't tell you what it is yet, but I've just um, interviewed for and been offered a role uh, of chair in an, for, for another uh, charity that is a national charity. So I've um, been offered the chair role for Newcastle, which is amazing. You'll see that soon. It'll be all over my social media as soon as I can announce that. But I'm like mega excited about this because it is a charity that is such a good fit for the things that I'm interested in around um, employability and women. You, know, you might be able to guess what it is from that, but I, I, I'll uh, reveal all soon. But um, really excited about that. Um, you know, looking to help them to to raise more money and to to raise the profile of the charity within the region and work with the other regional chairs and, and HQ as well. So that's going to be exciting. And then on the side, you know, I've got uh, I'm interested in property at the moment, so I'm looking at um, at some some buy to lets and uh, having having a decent portfolio on that side. Um, I've made my first angel investment before Christmas in a tech company. Um, so that's, again, really exciting to see how that goes. There's a three-year exit plan on that. So looking to, to uh, sort of observe the progress of that company from afar and see, see what happens with that. I'd like to do more of that angel investing. Um, so I'm hopeful that will work out so I can get the cash to invest in other things. So, yeah, just a few things going on, Lisa. Just a few things. Sounds like a quiet year. Nice feet up, relaxed, cocktail in hand. <laughs> I'd be so bored, you know. I was thinking, like, you know, it's probably going to be an opportunity to 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 exit, um, you know, my current role in a few years' time. And I was thinking, God, what what am I going to do? And I thought, should I have a bit of time off? And I keep saying to my daughter, you know, we'll take a full summer holidays off at some point and just go and. Go when, when things are more normal and we'll, we'll go and travel for a couple of months or whatever and we'll time it right and then I thought yeah that would be fun but I I could never not work ever I'd be so bored and you know like it's been really hard taking time off during the pandemic because there's nothing to do and nowhere to go and I've found that I've I haven't wanted to take time off because as soon as I get any real amount of time off I get really bored and a bit flat I like how purpose I like working hard and you know, I always say to people that's why you need to find a job or a business that you love because it's not like work you're not clocking the hours I mean, I've had part-time jobs as a student things where I'd be looking at the clock constantly counting down the minutes before you can leave when you do something you love that's never the case so it's 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 a joy yeah yeah absolutely no it sounds like there's some amazing things on the horizon so we'll keep a a good eye on that Sophie it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for sharing all of that knowledge for for anybody who's in the job market I think there's some uh, invaluable advice there um good luck with homeschooling this week I know how hard that can be um dying to read the new book so we'll be watching them for that coming out we'll we'll help try and spread that message far and wide um yeah and if anybody's interested in watching Sophie's TEDx talk you can find it on youtube which i can uh i can say is absolutely brilliant very inspiring very honest really great to watch so thank you again and take care
Well, that's it for this episode. If you enjoyed this, please do share with your friends, your network, rate us and do subscribe so we can keep you updated with future episodes. Until then, take care.